Let's see. Let's get these good old questions ready. Now, I don't know any of the questions, y'all. So for, for people listening, I don't know none of the questions. So this is all off the cuff. Just answer right. organically, raw. And for those that normally watch, they know I really don't come up with questions. I just listen yeah. and go with them. You know, go with the flow. Okay. But I think they heard enough of this croaker music. Uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and stop it real quick. But yeah, man, if you're just tuning in, man, my name is HD. I am the host of the Textual Talk podcast. I'm also an InfoSec professional. And we have mm-hmm. another fellow brethren that's, you know, got experience, experience. So you add that extra experience. I mean, he really got it. He's like, I don't know. He got a lot of titles, man. I can call him principal <laughs> level, manager level, uh-huh. director, you name it. He He's pretty much did all that. And um, without further ado, we're going to let Mr. Gabe, A, you know, tell us about yourself and your background. Absolutely. I don't know, man, where you want me to start? Because it's like a long, let's see, it's like a long version or a short version. It's a very long version, but it's one that's somewhere like the middle. Like, do you want me to? Trying to just go in or go which in. one you want? We want okay. a soliloquy. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Well, I was born. No, we're not gonna start there. We're not gonna start there. <laughs> so, kind of growing up in high school, I had a very strong love and attraction to mathematics, right? I actually went to like a math uh summer camp every single summer, like throughout high school and throughout middle school. So I had a really strong affinity towards like math, the logic. You know, because sometimes you get into like literature and other type of subjects and it's kind of can be up for interpretation. But for math, I knew that it came to an answer. It was like a focused and um, kind of a logical step by step on how I get to the answer. So my love for math and my desire to go into math, um, it kind of drew me into that of engineering. So my undergrad was in electrical engineering with a focus in on power systems analysis, which you can think of as like high voltage power. You can think of electrical substations, electrical lines, but also on the side of generation. So you can talk about like nuclear plants, oil and gas. So all the ways to generate elect electricity. So that was kind of like my focus in my undergrad. And then after undergrad, um, I transitioned into the automotive field. So I was in the automotive field for probably about a year and a half or so where I worked for Ford Motor Company, um, a tier one supplier of Ford Motor Company, where I was what you call like a wire harness design engineer. And that's where I was doing a lot of um, utilizing software to make sure that what we designed in the software was what they were manufacturing in the vehicle. So I was working for that a little bit, but I found that there was a ceiling. There was a quick ceiling because I found the same thing I was doing was the same thing dudes 10 or 15 years my senior were doing. And I'm like, yo, this isn't any area, any room for growth, anything here. So I'm like, I still want to grow. I still want to learn because I was fresh out of college. So then I transitioned into that of nuclear um, engineering. Uh, So I want to take a pause there because I said a lot. So do you have any questions there or you want me to keep going? Uh, You can keep going, man. I know (laughs) the crowd's like, they're trying to see like, how did you get to, you know, where you're at now? So I'm enjoying, I'm listening. All right, cool. So Like I said, I transitioned into nuclear. So I was working at a nuclear plant as what you call like a nuclear INC or nuclear instrumentation and controls engineer. And just like kind of the the title mentions, like I was working at a nuclear plant and it's pretty much I was very much so responsible for like sensors and all types of digital devices within the nuclear plant. Things to kind of monitor the nuclear process, because 
really in commercial nuclear plants, many electrical utilities have these. Uh, and what it does is that it just works to generate electricity. There's a process that happens where you're breaking atoms and breaking elements, um, um, breaking elements apart and the release. So that's called fission, right? Um, so that fission process breaks elements apart um, and that release or that breaking apart of atoms um, produces um, um, energy. And that energy, and I was in what you call like a boiling water reactor nuclear plant is composed by GE and pretty much a boiled water. That water turned to high steam. That high steam was transmitted to some turbines. Those turbines spun, turned that um, <laughs> steam energy into electromechanical energy. And pretty much eventually it wound up into an electrical uh, lines that eventually went to people in their homes. So that's kind of what, what, what was happening there. But while I'm I was there, some Tony Stark vibes right now. Yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> and it all started with with math a lot of times, right? A lot of times math is underrated. I think that's that's the main thing. Math is underrated because it can kind of open you up to so many different career fields. But anyway, so while I was there at the plant, again, not too long out of college, less than two, two years, maybe a little over two years out of college. And um, we were bringing down all these different uh, uh, regulations from what you call the NRC, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, which is a government body. And they were pretty much saying, y'all got to implement so many different cybersecurity standards, a cybersecurity program. And since I was the youngest guy around, I was newer, and it was all the computer stuff, they threw me on a lot of those type of projects. And that was my introduction into cybersecurity. It was within a nuclear plant. So at that point, I became what you call like a nuclear cybersecurity engineer. And I was on all types of projects, right, for when vendors would come in, what process would they have to go through in order to make sure that their machines were scanned before they touched plant devices? Also dealing with the plant network, different intrusion detection systems and things and the different connections it would have between the nuclear plant and the corporate of the electrical utility I was working with. So all types of projects like that were going on. And that was my first introduction. That was my I would say that's a career transition right from that of more purely engineering into more of that of a cybersecurity type of role. So yeah, man. I pause nice. again. I pause again. Nah, I mean, honestly, when you talking, I'm like, I'm like, shoot, should I change this to uh yeah. what is ICS security? Man. <laughs> you know, because I mean, you really was getting into your bag on uh the turbines and fishing. I ain't look, I ain't seen mm -hmm. that since uh since one of my science classes in high school. Really? Yeah, man. Yeah. It's real. It's still happening today, right? They're still well. Nuclear plants aren't being built as much. I actually used to work for a company that, that used to build nuclear plants called Westinghouse, and they built these new what you call AP. Oh, that's the same people that do the TVs. That's at Target. Well, they well they used to do TVs, but they had another division, right? So you know how these like these companies are. They start to build up in one area, and then they start to branch into different markets. Right. Years later, they branch into well, actually, they they've been doing nuclear plants for some some time. So they have what you call these AP1000s, which is quote unquote like the next generation of nuclear plants. And, they'll be, and they're building them in China. They're building them in parts of Europe, of course, because France has such a, a strong nuclear um, um, type of energy port portfolio. But yeah, man, this, it's, it's still happening today. So you talk about your science class. It's still happening in the real world today, too. So, yeah, man. Got you, man. Um, mm -hmm. That's dope. So. I had a question in there, but yeah. I'm going to, because it's kind of skipping because you didn't really say that part. So okay. how did you do the transition from ICS going into just like your, your regular standard, you know, uh, mm -hmm. cybersecurity practices and uh, yeah. what you would, what we typically do now? Yeah. 
So I think that that's, that's a good question. Um, what I did was that, so first I mistakenly, so they just threw, threw me into cybersecurity at that nuclear plant, but then I start seeing it growing. So they are, they started giving me training. So I started getting like SANS, SANS training was actually my, my first training. So I did training for like the GSEC and I eventually got the GSLC. It's like a security leadership type of um, certification um, in cybersecurity. And they spent some bread. Yeah, because they were really trying to build out that particular program. And they got me the GSLC one because they wanted me to be the next supervisor or manager for the cybersecurity pl uh, plan, a program at that plant. But I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that because I was seeing how viable it was in the field. I'm like, cybersecurity is growing. And that's where I was kind of at the crossroads because I'm like, I done done all this engineering, this calculus, this differential equation, this physics one, physics two, been studying and learning all this stuff. But then I, I'm getting all this cyber stuff and this is more emerging. You, you, you know, so mm -hmm. I had to, I was at a crossroads between do I want to stay pure engineering or do I want to transition more over there into that uh, cybersecurity? So I made the choice to eventually go more over into the cybersecurity realm. So I didn't stay at that plant, but I eventually hit the road because I didn't want to be a manager or supervisor yet. Mm -hmm. So I went on kind of like my contracting type of gigs. So I started going to different places, doing assessments of cybersecurity at different nuclear plants and other industrial environments. So that's kind of that is kind of how I transitioned more fully into that of cybersecurity. Nice. And um do I'm not that's a dumb, not a dumb question, but I'm I'm asking as oh, if I'm a person that don't know. Well, no, I'm asking, I'm trying to ask as if I'm a person that don't know anything yeah. as far as those assessments, because I know mm -hmm. like they have normal roles like security assessors where you just go assess the company's environment or something like that. Right. Um how what's the word? How many not jobs, but is that still like a thing as well? Like where like they're constantly like trying to hire for different assessors or to do assessments of like uh, what you were doing in the past yeah. with those countries. So it's, it's still a very viable field because so like I was mentioning earlier, the NRC, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, they have cycles of them assessing. So the government comes out in the form of the NRC and assesses all these nuclear power plants, I think at the frequency, like every two years or two and a half years, I could have that wrong, but they do regular intervals of assessing nuclear plants. And many times in a nuclear plant, when I was a nuclear INC engineer, you saw that, well, I told you that they had brought me into the cybersecurity stuff because typically right. those are less resourced type of roles. So they always bring in assessors for those nuclear plants in order to help them with their inspection or help them with some type of cybersecurity program or project. So those roles, those cybersecurity assessment roles are still out there specifically mm -hmm. within nuclear plants. And, they, and they're paying. They pay good money, man. I think yeah. one that I saw, man, they they had hit me up not not too long ago to do an assessment on a nuclear plant. And I'm already in my new gig. So I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that because I'm not about to go contract, right? Something that is temporary um, compared to something that I'm full time and uh, all the way in. But I think the rate was somewhere around like $83 an hour. And they also cover like $150 of per diem every single day. So that's like you get $150 for like your travel, food, expenses every single day combined with the $83 an hour rate. And they also give you some some other things like relocation and all that for the time that right. the project is going. But again, that's temporary. But those roles are still out there to right. answer your question. Most and that led me to a question that I'll probably ask yeah. later when it has to do to like actually like doing your own stuff on the side or whatever. Yeah.
but uh that's dope man so mm -hmm. what we're going to next is you know for those that just joined us this is gay bay struggle security if you ain't sub to his channel matter yeah. of fact if you're a moderator in the chat can you please go uh get the link to his channel and post it in the chat for me if not i'll go find it while he's talking yeah man but, um, appreciate it appreciate it appreciate it thank you uh, i'm a newer anytime, guy man. on the block i'm a new <laughs> I'm new on the cybersecurity YouTube block, so any support is heavily appreciated. So thank you for sure. Yeah. But uh, so what I'll go into this next question is because, uh, like I said, if I went, yeah, if I went to his LinkedIn, it'll probably take me about like 30 minutes to read all his job experience. Like, no lie. Mm -hmm. like, like, no cap. <laughs> I went through that. I said, like, dang, he's been, shoot, he's been doing this about as almost as long as I've been out of undergrad, mm -hmm. well, really before then. Uh, when did you uh I think you probably said it and I forgot it, but yeah, if you were to probably say like how many years of experience in total do you have actually? So I came on the undergrad in 2012. So okay. it's coming oh, up. So right before me. Tenth year. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, I came out of undergrad in 2013. Okay. Yeah. So cool, dude. All right. So look, yeah. this is the next question right here. Oops, hang on. Mm -hmm. How is it being a cybersecurity consultant? Yeah. Okay, so how do I answer that, man? So one, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, one thing that I think that cyber, uh, being a cybersecurity consultant does for you is that it allows you to see a lot of different environments, touch a lot of different technologies, and really try to... So kind of, let me take a step back. One thing that they teach us a lot in undergrad for electrical engineering or just engineering in general is that they teach us that, hey, you all are the like they kind of big us up. Like, you all are the world's problem solvers. You build you build the bridges. You fix the systems. You do this. You create the tech technology. And I think that one thing I really like about cybersecurity consulting is that you really get to talk to the people who have the problems, the organizations and the customers who have the problems. And you get to to use your subject matter expertise in order to solve those, those problems. You can get kind of creative in the way that you do it, or, and you can use industry best practices, but sometimes it's like brand new things that, that, that you have to develop solutions for, uh, specifically in the area of cybersecurity. So that's one of the major things that I really like about consulting is that you're solving the problems of the people with the problems. So I like it a lot. Yeah, I've heard like uh, I know uh, one of my friends when he left when working with us, he went on to actually be a cybersecurity consultant. Yeah. And uh, he was like, man, they just threw me in there <laughs> to the wolves and I had to figure it out. But yeah. I think I think that's one of the best ways to learn, honestly, because mm -hmm. it forces you to research. And um, that's, that's one. I think, too, like uh, <laughs> the same guy I'm talking about, my friend, I uh, shout out to Tavion. He made this TikTok the other day. It was like, you know, mm -hmm. don't let like the job descriptions, all the stuff fool y'all. It's like we Google just as much as anybody else. Uh, <laughs> we just, okay. you know, we just good at it. And I, I have to agree. I mean, yeah. I have the stuff you don't know. And mm -hmm. um, I think it's like a misconception that you have to know everything to be an infosec. And I'm like, shoot, yeah. new stuff is changing every day. It's impossible to know everything. That's true. Um, I, I think some companies don't really understand that because they don't have, I would say they don't maybe not have like the right type of people in their environment to kind of explain them like mm -hmm. what you're asking for, you know, is not doable. Yeah. <laughs> or it's not and even needed for this role. Sometimes that is the answer to the question that we're given is that I, I hear you, but you don't need that. <laughs> you don't need that at all. So, you know, that sometimes is the answer that you give 
to customers as a cybersecurity consultant is that that's not necessary. This this will satisfy your requirement or this will this will solve your your problem rather than this big, huge, elaborate thing. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember uh, during my time uh, at Optus, like our uh, principal guy would have to push back on the client a lot. Like, yeah. yeah, I know you want this, but for one, this is how long it's possibly going to take to even integrate this. And two, it doesn't make sense for your environment. So yeah, um, some companies uh, got used to the companies just doing stuff just because they asked, but it didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they will have unrealistic expectations when they get a new provider. And like, right. no, nah, we're not doing that. One, you know, you always got to tell them, hey, uh, well, let's check what, let's see what the contract says. See if we, uh, let's check our yeah. statement of work. <laughs> see if we're yep. providing that service to you guys. Not, nah, we can you know we can go renegotiate the rate. Mm-hmm. And that was like one of the first times I well, yeah, that was when I I did like a a project in grad school where I first time had to create a statement of work. But mm-hmm. the fact that I started being privy to those conversations, you know, made me aware of like how important the stuff that I learned actually translated to my actual career field. So absolutely. That actually, that's cool. another thing that 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 people don't really think about a lot of times when they think cybersecurity is that cybersecurity is a business enabler, right? It's something that helps businesses be able to continue to do whatever the business does. So right. like those styles, like those statement of works, right? <laughs> those those <laughs> those statement of works, and even something that I do at my level as a, a cybersecurity manager is that I create statement of works for customers or what you call like RFPs, requests for proposals or requests Mm -hmm. for RFIs, requests for information. And that kind of even broadens my capabilities and skill set because I'm dealing with financials, right? So there's times where I might have to manage resources for a program or a project for a customer where I'm looking at people and I'm like, okay, so to see how many hours you're putting towards, towards that, I have to be able to anticipate how many more hours are left and what that really looks like for the budget that a lot that is aligned with the style, right? <laughs> or there's times where customers might want, want something and it has to be priced out. It has to be saying, hey, it's this many hours, it's this many weeks, this is what that this type of services go for at an hourly rate. So, you know, I think that um that cyber that it also allows as a cybersecurity consultant, it also allows me to incorporate some or grow my skill set in the form of the business and the knowledge or fi- financials of cybersecurity. So it increases my knowledge in that area. And that's not, I didn't learn any of that in undergrad, right? <laughs> engineering, no, right. none of that. I didn't learn none yeah, of that. So. I, like I said, I learned like a lot of things like in grad school as far as undergrad. You know, yeah. My motto was just C's, get degrees. I mean, that was uh, just my motto. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> I'm like, you know. Yeah. Because a lot of that came in, in, in grad school for me too, right? So yeah, so that's, so where a lot of that's that that stuff comes comes in. So, Shoot, yeah. but it sounds like you you're. Uh huh. I want to say it sounds like you're a consultant, a project manager, technical writer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, really, I mean everything. You know, man, a jack of all trades. At times you got to be, but you know I think that there's other times where you really got to focus in on one at a time. <laughs> so you know, yeah. But it's fun um, overall, man. I'm I'm just learning and growing. And a lot of times being one of the youngest guys in the room, I'm just soaking up. Right. And I think that that's something that people don't people are people underestimate that. Right. If you if you like one of the youngest folk there, like you got to soak up so much game from people who have been there. Right. Listen, I think a lot of times people try to go so fast and so forward, just try to get get to the bag without realizing, you know, um, there's there's some requirements to be able to acquire that bag. 
So I think it's really Bingo. important for people to jump in there. Yeah. You definitely said something right there. Let me hit this one last time so people can hear it. Man, these mm -hmm. folks folk got, got their hit his shit. No <laughs> Look. Yeah. It's very important. And I've did this almost every... I haven't really been able to do it at this current role because mm -hmm. the way it's structure is. But uh, well, this is more so for the viewers. Like I'm talking about when I when I started off and I, I can go all the way back to when I first started help desk, mm -hmm. I always glean like a lot of information from, I, I want to say the person, but one person I would say what one or two people I feel are like the not, most knowledgeable of mm -hmm. everything. I study them, take my notes down. And by the time I asked them enough questions where I had already did my due diligence, my level always goes up past everybody else because I'm learning from the best. Yep. <laughs> and so at every job, most of the time I found like one of the smartest people that pretty much is a subject matter expert. And mm -hmm. that always helps me. One, because if they the two things. So this is what helped me in my last role. I was always looking at documentation. If I didn't have a question, I reached out to the principal guy mm -hmm. who was like the everything for our client. And he left the company, ended up coming back. Okay. And they was thrilled <laughs> to have him. Um yeah. But what happened was he saw me like, you know, he was always willing to help me. But that also put me in good favor with like everybody else because he would say, oh, well, you know, go talk to him. He knows how to do it or he knows how to do mm -hmm. this. And, and so that's another one of those things like people always looking for mentors and stuff like that. Yeah. But you have to actually show that, you know, you want to learn and you're coming in to work. So yeah. you can kind of prove that value. Because if you just try to just go, I mean, ain't nothing wrong with just coming and get your, your check and going home. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand. You know, I'm not at that age yet. That's how I felt about mm -hmm. help. This is like it was people like 20, 25 years older than me. Like they was content with that, which is cool. I, I ain't knocking them. That's fine for them. <laughs> right. But not for me. <laughs> no. uh, but and it, yeah. you, this is a game. I, I made a post of the on LinkedIn. I was telling the young professionals like, hey, you know, you got to be able to learn stuff outside of work and keep on putting in the work because if mm -hmm. not, 10 years going to pass, you're going to be in the same type of role right. and you're probably not going to be able to get a different type of role just because of you haven't expanded your skill set. Your skill sets aren't current. They're only current with what you've been doing for so long, Absolutely. which you probably are well at, yep. but that's not going to get it with nobody else. Mm -hmm. So that was just a little little nugget for everybody because people are always wondering, like, you know, how do I upgrade? How do I you know, become better in my position. It's like, you mm -hmm. know, come in ready to work, find people that know what to do. Now, I'm saying they're going to tell you because the thing about security is like, now you may reach a company where somebody's just trying to want you to fail, but yeah, most of the times you're not going to run into that too much because if you miss something, then potentially fall back on everybody else and everybody right. might be getting a piece of paper saying, hey, you know, sorry, but we got to take out the contract or we got to let you go. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen yeah. it happen. Yeah. And that kind of kind of brings up even another point with um, was thinking about another point as it concerns you were saying like coming in there and soaking up and really understanding learning from the best best people um, when you learn from the best people I think one thing that it does is that it kind of exposes your own flaws or your own gaps in your knowledge right so it's kind of like they're like not not to make them like God or anything but they kind of like yeah. a light right but they're like they have a very strong light and it kind of exposes you for all your your flaws. And one thing that, that I did with a lot of that is that I was working with a, um, a contractor when I was there at the nuclear plant. And he had had, I mean, way more years than me. 
So when I would hear him in meetings, he would be just spitting, 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 like pretty much knowing the problem, knowing the solution, knowing the problem, knowing the solution, have done it before. And I'm like, yo, I don't have that. I don't have knowledge in this area or I don't have knowledge in that area. And even when I was doing con contracting, I was recognizing that or doing the assessments at, at the plants. I recognized that I was having a lack in what you call like net networking information, like computer networking or right. offensive security. So now, so I'm hitting the Googles, right? I'm hitting Reddit. I'm hitting all these different places to try to understand, hey, where can I find this gap? Um, where can I find something to fill this gap in my knowledge? So then I, I had self-studied for CCNA, right? Routing and switching. I took like the ICND1 and ICND2. Nobody paid, paid for it. Nobody told, told me to take it. But from those very good people, those very proficient people, the, the OGs in the game, I was able to see that that was a gap that I had in my own knowledge. And then after I self-studied for CCNA, um, and I got that one, I self-studied for the CEH because I was seeing that that was something, another gap. I didn't have a lot of offensive cybersecurity understanding and knowledge. Like right. I said, at the plant, I was doing a lot of programs, implementing stuff, but I didn't really understand the attack vectors. I didn't understand how the bad guys were getting in. So I was self-studying, self-studying, and eventually, and you know that video that that you have reviewed of mine, the, the why I left my 150K cybersecurity job, right? Mm -hmm. I was able to get that job with self-studying and skilling up myself from understanding the knowledge gaps that I had. So, you know, to your point, you got to not only watch the best, but also some like make yourself the best, <laughs> make yourself right. the best and understand your gaps. So it's one thing that I did. Right, man. Let me get to the, the chat real quick, man. Shout out to sure. my guy. Keep it techie for the super chat. My man. For the gems being dropped. Man, um, that's my guy, yeah, man. man. Yeah, man. Josh is dope, man. Hey, if you want to learn Linux, go to Keep It Techie's channel. He got a Linux course. He just dropped some suggestions for books for you guys to check out for Linux. Mm -hmm. I need to do it because I'll be struggling with, hey, I need to use the cat command. Look, right. I'll be struggling because I'm used to GUI. But I, I actually do. I do like using um, Linux in the terminal. I think it's, it's super fast instead of having to click on everything. So Absolutely. shout out to him. Uh, we got Professor Black Ops in here. Shout out to him. And Black Before Ops, the hey. Billions. Mm -hmm. uh, the guys. Right. <laughs> Let me see who's this. Half of my job paid me for go having my job pay for me to go to school for cybersecurity. Hearing about mm -hmm. consulting is motivating. Absolutely. Nice. Shout out to you, ERN. But uh, let's get back into some of these questions. Mm -hmm. I think I probably answered some of them, or you answered them already. I bet. Um, we'll do two things. We'll say, you know, I already kind of figured out, you know, okay. what type of consultant are you? Yeah. I'll let you, you go. All right, all right, all right. I just answered so. <laughs> nah, 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 you good. So, so I'm a, I'm, I'm what you call like a ICS or industrial control system slash OT operational technology cybersecurity consulting manager. So that's that's a lot, right? ICS OT cybersecurity. Y'all have probably heard more and more about it over the years, right? As places like like the Colonial Pipeline incident that happened, or you might think of what's happening currently over there during the Russian-Ukrainian war. Um, bad guys or, or hackers are finding ways to get into industrial environments, places that directly align with what I studied. In my undergrad, like electrical utilities and substations mm -hmm. and nuclear plants and chemical plants and oil and gas organizations. So they're finding ways to get into these places to cause real world effects. So something that just came out last last week, I don't know if you ever heard of something, uh, the malware Indestroyer. 
Um, it was a it was conducted by a APT group called Sandworm, and they um, got into U- a Ukrainian several Ukrainian utility organizations and was able to shut off the lights for Ukrainian customers for I think for thirty to forty five minutes or so. Well, part two just came out last week, and they've seen evidences of Industry Two that just hit. Um, some other Ukrainian electrical utility facilities. So that's the type of cybersecurity that I focus in on in industrial environments, places like electrical u- utilities. So that's the right. type of consultant I am. Uh, do you have any, because once you, I remember you mentioned some of the places you work for, and yeah. I know who you work for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have to get, did they get you a clearance or did you already have um, one? I did have clearances when I was with, um, oh man. I did. So during my undergrad, let's take another step back. During my undergrad, I did an engineering undergrad um, co-op with the Department of of Defense. So I had a Mm -hmm. secret clearance when I was working in my um, during during school. Um, I wasn't a I've never been a government employee or anything. It was just as a it was just a co-op. So it literally went from like my sophomore year all the way to I graduated. And they paid for school and everything. And they gave a clearance and they gave a paid internship. So it was a it was a sweet deal during my undergrad. Um, so that was my first time getting a secret clearance. And the second time I got it re- re- renewed when I was working as a network security architect for uh, electrical utility organization. And I got the secret clearance renewed. And I think it just expired recently. And no, I'm sorry. I think I'm getting another one now because I'm working on uh, <laughs> some 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 uh, Department of Defense projects now with my organization. So. Yes, I have had had clearances, typically just secret clearances, though. So, yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. I had to correct some stuff. I got some stuff in the works that the no, people so watching are going to like one day. No, yeah, you good. You good. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think in two years, mine will technically be, like, expired. Like, right now, it's yeah. just not active. I have a secret. I got it in uh, okay. 2014. I think I have, like, yeah. two of them. They, they mm-hmm. had got me, like, another type of secret right before I left. Yeah. Started my knock position. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of times they try to say, I say, depending on what your job is, and yeah. if you're either in the contract or what you're doing, those clearances can get you paid. But I don't mm-hmm. want everybody to think just because you get a clearance, you're going to get paid. Because, I mean, I, I think that that has been something that a lot of people sell. Like, I've, I used to be a part of a lot of group me groups. I don't know if you've been a part of <laughs> I don't know if you've been a part of those. But, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people go from like active duty into retirement and they have clearances and they I don't know. A lot of people just sell that, sell that for some some reason. I haven't I haven't necessarily seen the same same thing. I've seen that. I guess people with clearances, they're in less of a number. Right. And that right. they can the work. Yeah, I mean, they demand can is work. Absolutely. They can work certain roles that non-clearance people can't can't work. Like I think we compete a lot of times with um, um, individuals who are from different countries, right? So international people who come to America, we compete for a lot of those type of jobs, but those people with clearances that are working government roles, they're not competing with them, right? So because those individuals, international individuals can't can't get clearances to work for those governments. So I could see some pluses and minuses there, but I think that above clearances, your skill set, your knowledge base, and your experience will get you paid faster than a clearance will yeah definitely and yeah. the people that do transition out 
most of the time they've networked to where they found them a great job, you know, yeah. on the outside. Not to mention, I know a lot of them, you know, shout out to all my military people, you know, that's, that's getting medals. that money with, with the retirement check. I mean, with the, um, what's the check? It's not retirement. Uh, what is it? Um, it's when you hurt. <laughs> I cannot think of oh, the name. Um, I f- disability. I forget to. Disability. When you're yeah. getting that 100% uh, disability and you're getting that good old check from your tech job. Yeah. So shout out to y'all. You know, man. a lot of times they get in that. Well, that's like the, if they do the four years, right? I don't know all the standards. Let me not even start it. But yeah, it's, shout out it, to them. It's a lot of them. <laughs> they they, they yeah. get into it, man. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of that, you know, we're going to segue into money. And I know this is going to be, Uh-oh. depending on market area company, sure. it's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into this. Like, um, you know, what does a typical entry level cybersecurity consultant salary look like? Mm. And then okay. I guess the preface it preface it is the role actually an entry level role, or is it an mm. entry level security role? Which meaning that it wants somebody to have experience already, so technically it's not really entry level, right? So I so I think there are a couple of and, and you mentioned a couple of them, right? You mentioned like location, organization. I'm gonna. I'm going to lean towards that of like the big four organizations, right? The big four consulting firms, because they probably employ the most cybersecurity professionals, even that from entry level, because many of those organizations bring entry level people straight out of college. Right. right. And, come and those big to, four are yeah. for the viewers watching. So those are Deloitte, uh, PricewaterCooper, um, Ernst & Young. And is it KPMG? KPMG. So these organizations, so to kind of give just a little bit of background about these big four consulting firms, um, they probably they primarily do financial services, but they mm-hmm. also are very heavy in tech in technology and even more specifically cybersecurity. We work with them now. Okay, boom, right? So they they bring in a lot, so they acquire companies, they acquire organizations that are cybersecurity firms and organizations, and they pretty much um, provide services to organizations all across the world. So they have a worldwide type of um, market base. So when you're talking about an entry-level cybersecurity role, you might be coming into one of those big four organizations, those consulting firms, as like an associate consultant, as an associate cybersecurity consultant. And typically, I would say these individuals, let's just say just on average, I would say the total compensation probably on average is somewhere between like probably 70 to 75 to probably about 80 or 85. So I say 70 to 85, right? Depending on the location, it could be higher or lower, but that's, or it can even be higher in some places like a New York. I know some uh, in different, more boutique cybersecurity consultant firms. I know some people who come straight out of college um, making six, six figures as associate consultants. So it all depends, but I would say you can, probably start off somewhere around that 70 or so um, at the bottom. Yeah. Cool. And what type of, what type of structure, not structure, but what type of, uh-huh. actually we'll do this then. Yeah. What skills? <laughs> so man, it's so difficult. To, okay, all right. Let me tell you why I'm having a difficult time answering this because <laughs> Not all cybersecurity consultants are created equal. Correct. I'm not saying it's like better or greater um, and less than, but it's more of like there's such a wide variety of consultants. And let me let me just break it down a little bit more. You have cybersecurity consultants who work as 
pin testers and red teamers only. Right. Like that's all they do. So they'll come into an environment, they'll set up shop, and they'll start to test all the test for all the security vulnerabilities within systems. They'll do they'll they're using Kali Linux, they're using Bloodhound, they're using Responder. They're kind of just moving around. Hey, man, don't even mention Bloodhound. No? You don't like Bloodhound? We 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 had a a situation. Well, it wasn't my fault. I told yeah. them that they was they configured the rule wrong. Well, they didn't configure mm-hmm. it wrong. It just wasn't effective for my team. But uh, you can you can continue. <laughs> I love Bloodhound, man. I've used so, <laughs> and that's another thing that we'll get into specifically what I do. But do you have certain consultants that are able to just do red teaming and piss testing only offensive security services? But you have other consultants, right, that do incident response. So when a company gets hacked. They bring in these consultants in order to address what that problem is, to find where the compromise is, how far it's spread. They find they, they have even consultants who are reverse engineers. So they'll pull off uh, samples of that malware, the hashes and everything, and they'll do analysis on that mal- malware to find out who is the threat actor and different um, indicators of compromise to pull all of that out. Um, so you have consultants that do that. But you also have consultants that do audit work. Right. They'll come into right. a bank and do cybersecurity audit. So that's very different than... So there's so many different flavors of right. cybersecurity consultants. Because I think it's consultants yeah. that um, a company might say, oh, we want to start a SOC. And they'll bring yes. somebody in, you know, that startup stood up different SOCs for he That's his job. Hire everybody need from platform engineers to analysts yep. to pretty much everything, tool set. Yep. It can be even very specific to a consultant that just configures firewall rules. <laughs> <laughs> you can have somebody that just do that, right? They might be brought in on a temporary contract or they can be brought in to do like firewall configurations and then they can work to kind of build out their skill set into other things. So that's why it's so difficult for me to answer the question of what skills do you need to have? It just depends on what type of consultant you want to be. Right. So yeah. I guess I'll rephrase it and just make it like at a high level because uh, yeah. I also did a, what is this guy named Cyberspatial? He has like this... Okay. Super popular uh, learning skills to get into cybersecurity. Oh yeah, yeah. The guy he be talking with his hands a lot. Yeah. I do that a lot. A lot you know, a that's lot so. I mean, <laughs> hey, if you think about starting a YouTube channel, yeah, this and all this and talking with your hands and stuff yeah. is good because we're a visual. Our hands yeah. focus on this and we'll keep watching. So if you watch a lot of the big YouTubers, yeah. they do a lot of this. So that's how you get a lot of that watch time when you. Let talk me tell with you where hands. I got it from. Because when I was in college, I was very um, um, involved with my church. They used to make make me preach, so I would have to get up there and like move. So you was waving move, your like, hand and preaching. Lord, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's where I got it from. I ain't I didn't get it from YouTube. YouTube got it from us. YouTube got it from the church. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I mean, and we'll get into a little bit of that yeah. uh, later if, if it don't uh, run sure. too late. But um, okay. actually, I was about to. I'm okay. Oh, go ahead. But no, I was really about to ask you. Uh, we hear consultants a, a lot talking about like the perks. Uh, well, granted, a lot of people are not traveling anymore, but when they were traveling, right? How does that? I mean, we know you got a company car, but yeah, do you get to use those points on a company car for yourself? Or oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So tell us about that. Like you know, tell us about the the finesse of that. Like how does that? Yeah. How does that work? Consultant life can be cool in that way, right? You can so. Just like you mentioned, you can get like they give everybody company cards. So you get a company card. Typically, well, with my current organization, we get Amexes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you just you, so when you travel for for customers 
And just like I was mentioned with the financials, that is all embedded into that statement of work, travel, Mm -hmm. expenses, all of that food, all of that is incorporated into what we price that engagement out to be. So you just charge. So you literally like you can be gone for two weeks on a customer engagement. You can be going into their offices, configure like, I don't know, configuring their firewalls. What's going on, everyone? You're listening to Let's Talk Tech, and it's being brought to you by Anchor. If you hadn't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. They have a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you on sites like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So doing the penetration test, staying at a hotel, you said Marriott, you said Hilton, it doesn't matter a lot of times. Also, it's dependent upon where you are and, and what we price that thing out, out to be. But you're literally just swiping. You oh, swipe yeah. it, swipe Trust it, swipe me. it. And you get those points, right? Because you tell Marriott, hey, put this under my awards card or awards points or if you're traveling delta put this these points add up to my personal delta account so you can get silver you can get gold really quickly um traveling as a consultant so there's yeah, a lot of perks man. i mean yeah. uh, i had to go to uh the client wanted me to come to burbank for like the quarterly and one mm. of my directors was there we all was there he had um our company card so of course or either the client paid for us to eat dinner we had fun with them but then yeah. back at our hotel Shoot, that's one thing about my director, man. He works hard, but he liked the uh party. So I'm talking about he's buying the uh, he's <laughs> he's swiping for the expensive scotch. You know what I'm saying? We we drinking yeah. that good stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> before bed. I was like, hey, you know what I'm saying? See, that's the thing, right? So, some sometimes you might have to travel for business development because not only are you um executing on customer engagements, but you're also trying to sell services too. Right. So you might need to go meet meet somebody. And I know sometimes people charge for alcohol. Right, you can put your alcohol on the car. <laughs> right, so you know, I mean, hey, at certain times, I know when we went to um, Vegas for Spunk Conf, like food was covered. It was like you just got by your own alcohol. I was like, yeah, hey. yep. But um, <laughs> and sometimes was, like, man, I was, I was, I was traveling. Actually, recently. are you going? Are you going yeah. this year to Spunk Conf? Man, I'm not. I, I, I like conferences a lot. I speak at them a lot too, but I typically do the virtual ones. Because I travel a lot. Well, I used to, so I do the virtual ones because I travel a lot for work. And travel might start picking up, and I don't want to add more travel to the travel I'm already doing. I so, got you. <laughs> so I, I just, like, I know, I just yeah. want to go back because it was, it was, uh, it was different. Like it was fun. Yeah. Really? It was like it was, it was a fun conference because it's back in Vegas this year. Okay. The last time I went three years ago was in Vegas, and it was at the Venetian. Mm. This year is um going to be in the MGM Grand, so okay. people book now. Like, uh, or it's check. Hey, look, this is a hack. See if the company you work for is a partner with Splunk, and okay. you get benefits. Hey, listen, there you go. They're going to hack <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah, I watch your podcast. You got that little the the the, the, the hey listen oh. thing that somebody give a jewel. I you wish I, uh, I got to put it on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to put it back on there. I probably just do yeah. the do the snake. But, no, um, good, <laughs> but if they're a partner, see, yeah. y'all can. Go. Um, I think we got like some free tickets there, but they'll have like your company probably cover like your flight mm-hmm. and like where you stay, maybe your food. But yep, 
it's a good uh, experience for one. And one of the best things about commerce is that you get to network with people from different companies. Absolutely. And that helps Absolutely. you out a lot, especially in this job search. Like, I'm just going to get into it because um, <laughs> I've reviewed his video. And so yeah. we'll just get into this part of it. It's like, uh, you know, we'll talk about it because you were talking in the video. So I can ask you now. Mm-hmm. Who, who did you tell certain people you was going to quit that job or like who did you tell i didn't tell anybody until i got the offer letter got you got you i no, didn't tell nobody because yep. even if you like i was saying and when i reviewed it i was like if you are thinking about it then there's only certain people you can tell that's going to say i totally understand because if you, yeah. tell, if you tell normal people they're going to be like mm-hmm. 150k what you mean you stupid Yep. Not not knowing if one if a one company right. pay you one fifty k, it's another one that will pay you two hundred two fifty. Right. Right. And that they was the don't thing, know that. Right. Because 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 I was even having conversations with my wife when I was interviewing. Right. Because I'm like, you know, they're interviewing me. They want me to come on board. It's a remote role, and she's like, well, you know, you we're pretty much good right now. <laughs> right. We're pretty much set. Do you want to push it, or do you think that this is something that's a good decision? I'm like, listen, I'm going after every opportunity. That moves me closer to my goal. And um, she understood, right? Especially after the offer letter, the new offer letter came in. You know, I reaffirmed. I'm like, all right, this is the this this is the new one. That was the old one. You understand yeah. now, right? So, you know, that, that even builds like that even builds a relationship, right? Because because she started to trust you more about your decisions right. and all that. Because that was yeah, early right. on, like, like, like when we had just got, we was barely a year in. So <laughs> Right. Yeah. And I felt you because, you know, that's what I'll go through now. No, I'm not going to quit. I got a family. Right. Uh, but, you know, I'm interviewing and, you know, the money, you know, is yeah. out there. Um, mm-hmm. I, for me, like right now, I only got certain people I talk to about like my career. And it's most people that's in my industry yes. or people yes. that uh, that I coach or, or mentor. I do it to just let them know just to be yep. transparent, because when I was coming up, I didn't have anybody to kind of help me um, with these type of things or really understand the salary, how to negotiate or, or all that stuff. So it it was, I know it's very beneficial because, you know, mm-hmm. like I did that video about like, Hey, don't lowball yourself. A lot of black yeah. people go into negotiation, not knowing mm-hmm. what they worth and end up negotiating Absolutely. lower than what they would have got paid. And yep. um, so, and that was, I'm right there with you. So, like you were mentioned, so so I I think I probably misunderstood your question. You said, "Who did I tell before uh, I thought I was going to leave?" I was telling people, same as you, right? People who are are beyond me. Typically, I okay. I don't. I'm bad at taking a whole bunch of advice right. from people who haven't been there before. Does that make sense? Yeah. People people give a lot of unsolicited advice who have never been in your shoes or beyond your, your shoes, if that makes sense. So I don't take advice from people who haven't done it. I take advice from people who have done it. I know that they, they've done it and they're beyond it. So I call, so I've called those beyond it. People, I call right. those people who are OGs in the game and say, Hey, this is the offer. This is the opportunity. This is the organization. What do you think? Right. right. And, and those are the people who I trust and I listen to um, when I'm making some of those decisions, of course, along with my family and my wife to really understand what effect it would have on them also. So right, right. Definitely. And like I know one of the big ones I look for now. I got two girls now. I'll be like, yeah. Hey, what the what the medical benefits looking like, man? Because yeah. insurance be expensive, man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's another one. I got uh I don't know if I told everybody. Well, I don't know. It don't matter because I don't I don't I don't think my family is 
watching. Um, <laughs> they don't watch tech stuff. They don't, they don't watch none of that. But we actually got one on the way. Yeah, right now. Uh, congrats, so, man. Congrats. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks, man. So we um, so I was looking at some of those benefits. I'm like, OK, what what benefits is it for parents? I get two months off from work after every child. So just like you mentioned, those benefits for having a, ch- a child like right, like me the, as the father, I get two months. And I think so that's like, about all you're going to need, because I think about yeah. after the eight weeks, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. Because I found out like in a gym. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, our policy is like yeah. five months, but it's not okay. like you don't have to use it all at one time, but you got to use yeah. like 16 weeks a piece. I was like, mm. is it per child or is it or is it per all child. together? Mm, so you get five months. So I'm like, man, I'm like, it's that's a European like, standard. That's that European standard because they really they let people off for like a year, especially mothers. They did. I, I, I pushed yeah. for that. Like one of my last episodes, like women, right. it need to be universal. They need more time off. It's, Absolutely. You know, six weeks is, is not enough to Man, push somebody I away from the child. Absolutely. I didn't even tell 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 Josh, keep it taking. I didn't even tell keep it taking yet. Hey, <laughs> maybe, but thanks. Thanks, man. Josh <laughs> like this. He like this on the, in the chat. Yeah. What? <laughs> That's my man. It's like we talk on the back end. Like we talk on yeah. Facebook. We got each other's numbers and everything. I didn't even tell him. Thanks, everybody. I'm seeing all the thanks and the congratulations. So I appreciate it for sure. Yeah, yeah. man. But yeah. um, that's dope, man. I know, like, yeah. I, I think it's just one of those things, like, uh, get the people who inspire you. That's there. Mm-hmm. They're pushing it. Like, like. so I've been, and um, he's, he probably said this on Twitter, but, like, yeah, I've been, I'm back in the, the job search, you know, a little bit. And I'm seeing what's out there. I already know what's out there. Yeah. And I had just got more motivation. You know, one of my guys that I was telling you about earlier, who used to do yeah. uh, consulting, he just got a crazy offer for Robinhood. Uh-oh. Uh, Robinhood throwing the Brinks truck out at people. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like these financial companies and stuff like that, they're out there yeah. because their, job, their goal is to make money. So if you can support them to keep on making money and not lose it, mm-hmm. they're going to pay you. And Definitely. that's the... And that circles back to what we said at the beginning is like, you know, with InfoSec, like our job is to support the business. Yeah, absolutely. If we keep the business running, it's all good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I think Robinhood is one of those remote first companies. I think like Twitter, Dropbox, I think Robinhood is in there too, where yeah. they're like remote first, where you see the fangs and certain other organizations are like, we're hybrid or we're back to the office com- completely. So, yeah, that's a good deal. Crazy thing is, yeah, I I just made it to like the second round for like a, a Dropbox interview okay. for like a security engineer. Let's go. And, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's hard because yeah. <laughs> I was looking yeah. at what he said. But the thing about me, like I tell everybody, I'm honest. I'm honest with everybody yeah. interviewing. I'll let you know if I did do this or if I didn't. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, for me, I also interviewed just for experience. Guys, like if you yeah. keep interviewing sometimes, it just lets you know what companies looking for, what you need to work on. Absolutely. And that's another way how you can build your skill set. If you don't really know at work, just start seeing if you can get some interviews for some roles you yeah. may not meet all the you know, specifics for. See how you do on it. You know, Absolutely. I know I that's, exactly. that's really important. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel like it's like working out too. It's like, you know, the more mm-hmm. you interview, uh, the better you'll get. Uh, so I'm, I know just, that Dropbox interview probably got a coding section to it. It does. Because I, I interviewed with them maybe a couple of years back, several years, maybe about three years back, two or three years back. And they had a coding section. I'm like, and I was weak at coding. So I'm like, I didn't pass that part. So I just had to be real with myself. But I knew 
Right. That's knowing your your weaknesses right. and whatnot. So right. Yeah. That's that's what they uh they say. And that, and then also because uh, I, I talked to Robin Hood too, and um, mm-hmm. the recruiter was saying like they've been missing out on good candidates because they're trying to find people to code for what? Because I always ask them to say, is this actually needed or just something y'all want because it looks cool? <laughs> All the things are like that. All things, financial organizations, a lot of them, I don't know what the, like they want a, a lot of them want a software engineer with cyber, no cyber with security, a, yeah, heavy cybersecurity experience. With that doesn't exist. <laughs> that typically doesn't exist. Right. And you get one or the other typically. Yeah, right. Because I mean, it's just so much. I don't, I don't think some of the people that do it, they don't understand that, you know, that's a lot to master because you've yep. been doing one thing because all that stuff is good. But the person who got the yep. practical knowledge, who's used it before, mm-hmm. they can catch up to speed. I mean, I had to pass a Python class. If, yeah. if I know it's going to be in Python. Am I going to probably do good at it? Probably not. Probably but not. it will be it will be fun. It make good YouTube yeah. content like it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like you were asking, like what, like how practical is it? How often am I going to be using this, right? Rather than more using like Yara, like I'm writing Yara rules or tune in the sim. Like mm-hmm. that's more that makes more sense, right? right. Might get into some Sigma or some newer type of uh, or some newer type of things, but. Not about to be coding like like crazy in most cybersecurity roles, and most people right. are not writing exploits either. So you talk about offensive security. Most people don't. Sometimes you got to write exploits on the on the. I would say scripting at best. Right. Like mainly, you have to script to do things faster and more more efficient. But you're not sitting up here writing tools, typically. But anyway, right, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> right, and uh, I think one of the last ones before we we got to the chat. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the last questions I had for you was, uh, you know, what's a typical work day like for you? <laughs> and we'll like, go off your, we'll go off yeah. like your busiest day. We'll, right. we'll, we'll say like, what's a busy day, busy okay. work day like for you? I will, let me do this to say that it looks, every consultant looks different in every type of role. So I'm at a manager level at my, at my firm, right? So typically for me, I'm setting my own schedule. I'm not really bound. Like I don't have like check-ins every day or something. I don't have like, I I don't have to, I don't have to call my manager or talk to my, like, I don't have to do any of that. I'm pretty much setting my own schedule, setting my own priorities and setting up my own calls um, and getting stuff done, right? Getting stuff done on my own time. So I would say probably the busiest day looks like probably me waking up and talking. Oh, this happened the other day. So I was so I so I traveled for work because we were um, doing some work, like some internal training, some type of business development. And I had a call that morning with a colleague who was over in Israel. So they have different times. Right. So they mm-hmm. have different times. So I think I had to be up at like 7 a.m. So I had to wake up at probably 6, 630, get on that call at 7 a.m. Come on, talk, talk <laughs> it was cool though. Like it was so like at the beginning of the call, I was really like tired, but toward like as we were going more and more, right? Talking about that development and really getting into some of the things like this the cybersecurity things. I was like, yo, this is dope. This is gonna be a very good opportunity and something better for our for our customers. So I woke up as I was having that conversation. So that's that it was that, and then I woke up. Got out of the hotel, you know, took my shower, brushed my teeth and did all that, that stuff. <clears throat> Went downstairs. I just tried to, I typically would grab like a quick cup of coffee or some tea or something. 
And then I'm walking into the office, right? So because I'm on travel for work, I'm going into an office, which is pretty much ghost. Barely was anybody there. Um, <clears throat> and through that day, I'm meeting with clients. I'm, we, I'm meeting with, with customers. We're talking about a way that we're going to do this engagement. I might be crafting some slides or uh, I might be explaining something technical. And I would have calls throughout the day with other projects that I'm on, too. So a lot of stuff going on. So meetings talking, doing strategy, um, and then lunch, we do some demonstrations. I might teach. I was, I was, I was also teaching some stuff and doing some different, um, exercises with incident response. And then later that evening, we went to top golf <laughs> around six o'clock. And then, um, I'm back in the hotel and I'm getting ready for the next, next day. So probably that's probably one of my busiest days most recently. And that was probably from, 6 30 to a good 7 30 8 o'clock at night so yeah that reminds me of uh yeah. my busy days like the days i go into the office i wake up about 5 5 30 yeah i try to be out of the house by between 6 and 6 30 that way mm-hmm. i'm missing school traffic right and then it seems like you know we have like a lot of days i'm having like three meetings like i have one at uh eight my time yeah um 8.30 and then I might have like a 9.30 or something like that because they're heavy yeah. on meetings. I'm on, I'm, I'm really, I don't want to get you up, but I really want to wear like a, this could have been an email shirt to some of these Zoom because <laughs> yeah, some of them too early. I'm like, just, just, just make a team's meeting and, um, mm-hmm. and we can get to it. But, uh, yeah, I know like it does seem like, uh, I will say it seems like you're a little busier sometimes in the office, but that's because sometimes people are bothering you or it's, I yeah. will say, it's taking some getting used to because a lot going on. Everybody's having meetings and yeah, it's not like a lot of it's space, but not like a lot of space. So sometimes it sounds like you're on top of each other and right. it, it kind of gets like aggravating me sometimes. I Absolutely. Like, this is now uh, I can give you a version of a, of a technical busy day. You want that one? <laughs> um, I think they do. Cause you okay. Know. So that was more of like that cybersecurity consultant manager busy day. But then there's also busy days where I'm doing, and doing like an incident response engagement. And that means that, so one thing that my organization sells are these incident response retainers, meaning that organizations um, will pay an upfront cost to say that if we get hit, if we get compromised, if we get hacked, we're calling you all to come in and to help us resolve our issue. Mm. So typically these happen on a Friday. Because I don't know what, I don't know what it is, but hackers hack on Friday. Because less people, I think it's probably... I think mm-hmm. it's probably Fridays, weekends, holidays. Yes. So Friday. So this is a Friday. This is an early Friday because, you know, Russia or, or North, North Korea or China or somebody, mm-hmm. they're on the opposite time. So, they, so it's typically very early on a Friday. And what happens is that we, um, somebody gets the inbound for whatever that incident is and for that customer. And that we start to staff it. We start to bring in pro- pro- professionals and people who can respond to this. And it typically starts off with something called like a initial like scoping call. So right. it's, it's literally like fresh. So the customer is like, okay, we got hit. And these are the de- details. So I'm sitting there and everybody's sitting there taking notes, really writing down exactly what is happening, exactly what we understand. And then at that point, we start up something called a bridge. So it's an incident response bridge where people from the organization and people from our organization are on there. It's like a it's typically a virtual bridge. So it can be a Teams call, Zoom call, WebEx, or whatever. 
And then we're going through the details of what we need from, from them. So we start up a ledger talking and this ledger keeps track of everything that we have noticed that has happened. We'll, we'll put in the notes from the call. We'll, we'll put in uh, indicators of compromise. We have individuals watch, watching the dark web who might have started to advertise that, hey, we hacked this organization or we've, mm-hmm. we've, we've, we've done this. So we're watching all these, these different platforms. And then we're also working to address what they, their incident is. And as you know, with, with Sims, there's all types of agents that are in organizations. So we do some analysis on their architecture mm-hmm. to try to understand how to get those forensic images and mm-hmm. to be able to do some offline analysis to say, hey, where's the compromise? How far has the compromise spread? And how much has this affected the business of the organization? Right. And then we start to prioritize these things. So this is all happening in right. one day. Everything's happening on day one. So when I talk about a technically busy day, <laughs> incident responses are pretty much the most not, time. And yeah. So go ahead. I, no, I was going to say not to mention legal is involved because legal. you got to see yes. what's going on. Like uh, I know the, the breach when we dealt with is uh, it was potential data exfiltration. So we had to get legal involved. Yep. What we could and couldn't say to... Uh, people asking us about it that wasn't in the need to know group like uh, some of us were. Right. That was um, it was pretty fun, you know. Yeah, like they would just listen to me. We would never had to go through that, but man, um, it's it, it's just it was wild, what it was. I was I was gonna say it's just it, it was just a wild time and probably one of the most most thought like I could I, I can say it. I'm under no legal obligation not to say I I was on it. But the last the largest incident response I was on was for the Colonial Pipeline incident. And literally that was being worked for weeks and weeks and weeks and months. And it was just so time consuming. Speaking of a, a busy day, I mean, every day was a busy day. Hopefully they give y'all a bonus for that. Uh, Well, <laughs> yeah, I think I got a bonus for it. I think so. Yeah. Hey, y'all deserve like a performance it. bonus. So I think that right. probably did get included in that. That so, stuff yeah. is like crazy. I remember uh, I was working yeah. with uh, a sock one time and uh, they had this freaking, I forgot who got who got hit with ransomware, but they were like chickens with their head cut off on that meeting yep. on that Monday morning. I was like, Shh. Yep. I was just listening. I said, like, yeah, y'all didn't plan that y'all, whatever you hit that y'all. Right. And that's exactly what I drew from that. But that can turn into, thing, right? No, go people, ahead. People running around with their chicken, like, like chickens with their heads cut off. It's our job to, to find the heads and put it back. I don't on. know. Make them back into like, make them into Frankenstein, find the heads and surgically put them back <laughs> on. Right. got to, Got to jolt them with some electricity to get them back running. We have to calm the wave of the incident pretty much and be able to really contextualize and really understand what's happening in the organization because they have other priorities. They're still trying to, they they typically the biggest thing that organizations are trying to do is trying to get back into positive business operations. They don't, they don't have the resources, the cap and even the capability Right. Because there's even something that happens. You you mentioned ransomware. This is something that people probably don't know. But while you're doing a ransomware investigation, if an organization does have like a large ransom, um, there's also organizations that do ransomware negotiations with the bad guys. So ransomware negotiations is something that also happens. They're talking to the bad guys. They're trying to get that ransom down or discuss what this looks like, trying to figure out if it's even valid. So, you know, it's just so many different pieces legal right. and, ransomware negotiations for and the crazy thing is that's an area people could niche down into they, they could potentially right. be somebody who was a uh a negotiator like a detective or something like yes. a cop and they can go into this type of negotiation when they got worried about getting shot at yes <laughs> yeah so it's a lot of things like like so that 
And I, I'm just mentioning one more, and I'm gonna get them more on the okay. questions because you know I man, I go in on the subject matter. But another one, another role within cybersecurity, people don't think about it, but like people can do physical penetration tests, right? Like if you think about like these are people, <laughs> a lot of times you got to be able to lie, right? <laughs> people who can come into organ. So a lot of times organizations, I would say like large retail organizations or organizations that have a large like brick and mortar platform, they want to understand how bad guys can get physically into their sensitive and critical systems, right? Whether there's data centers or whether there's office buildings. So Mm -hmm. they will hire consulting firms to bring in physical pen testers to at times try to blend in with the crowd try to find out um, if their security awareness training is actually working. That 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 yearly CBT training that everybody does, they try mm-hmm. to figure out if, if that works. They sometimes tailgate into buildings or tailgate into gates or even start asking questions, trying to act like there's some authority. And sometimes people just walk them right into the doors <laughs> to their critical systems and their servers and boom, right? So... Yeah, that's yeah. that's another one that I yeah. think a lot of people don't don't think about. It definitely is, and trust me, and we'll probably run this back. Like I said, next week I'll be moving, and I'm getting a new setup. Everything's gonna be set up, so we're yeah. gonna we're gonna definitely be able to go in. Like uh, I got a lot of people who I've had on the stream in the past, so we can just have shoot a, a live live stream yeah. where everybody's just talking about their experience. But I'm we had a couple it. of questions in the chat. Okay, now, here's one for David M. He said, how much contract work versus perm jobs have you had? Okay. Would you guys recommend contract to contract or locking down at a single spot? Mm-hmm. So I think that I've had two. So I've had one contract role that went for probably like a year and 10 months. And I had another contract role that went for two years and some change, like two and a half, half years. And I think that the biggest advantage of contract work is that one, the money. Right. You get paid more hourly. You get you just get more money in general than the permanent employees of organizations. And two, I would say the advantage of contracting is the experience. You will. Right. They, a lot of times are bringing contractors in because the internal resources don't have the capability to do whatever work that is. So I was mentioning earlier, like firewall configurations. They'll bring in a contractor to do specifically firewall configurations for like, I don't know, 10, 15 buildings for that organization. So you're touching the technology. You're getting in there where at times permanent roles, they don't come with that level of touching stuff, that level of just getting down to the nitty gritty. Um, But permanent roles, a lot of times they can be very good um, because they come with other benefits. Like we were mentioning earlier, that of things like like um, paternal leave. Right. Or a 401k matching or bonus programs or. Bonus, sign on bonus. Yeah, bonus, sign on bonus. Yeah, yeah. And it's and also organizations invest in you more. So not only are you coming to the organization, training. I was just about to say that paid training. And I don't know, like, like, like you, like you saw my LinkedIn, I got a lot of very high, high cost trainings. So I got like four, and I'm working on my fifth. Uh, SAN certification. Each one of those costs Shh. maybe six to eight thousand dollars a pop, and I haven't paid put for any of it. On my name, I've never. You know <laughs> and y'all say my name. Put some respect on it. So I never got any of those as a contractor, but I got all those training opportunities as permanent employees because organizations invest in their permanent employees because they're looking at you for the long term. 
So those right. are just a couple of pluses and minuses. I'm sure that there's 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 more. I don't know if you want to go in on that, but yeah, yeah. no, nah, you you summed it up perfectly. I'll touch on this next question and I'll let you uh, touch on mm-hmm. it. Markarian Lab says, I got the sec plus. What should I go for next? So I think you're asking the wrong question. It's not what should I go for next. It's what skills do I need to land a position that I want? I was I was just about to say the thing you want to go for next is a job. Like, right. Just get in there. <laughs> just get in right. there. Yeah. Because the certs, they can get you maybe a, a screening call, but they're not mm-hmm. going to help you much in the interview. And reason being, from my experience being a coach, I have a lot of people I've coached that have these certs, but especially, and this goes for I'm just going to speak on like most, I'm especially like doing sock work when I yeah. put questions in front of them that are like scenario based, they mm-hmm. don't do as well, and that's because the cert teaches you to answer in an A, B, C, or D type of fashion. Yeah, it doesn't teach you how to think. So. And I will say it's a little bit hard to get experience, but they have these different type of platforms. Try Hack Me, uh, mm-hmm. Hack the Box, Cyberary, uh, CyberWarrior.com, RangeForce, Let's Defend. Uh, there are a whole yeah. bunch of other ones. Like Splunk has their like, Boss of the Sock stuff. So it'll All be right. things like that that is training that's going to start programming you how to think, oh, what should I look for in the compromise? Or you know, what should we be looking for? Like, hey, do we see any lateral movement? What does lateral movement look like on our mm-hmm. network? How do I, it, what do I, start, what event codes should I be looking for? When you talk about Bloodhound earlier, Bloodhound, Sharphound, yep. like them type of things come through a lot of labbing projects and training. So I would say look up the jobs that you want to land and then see what skills you need. Probably try mm-hmm. to learn like three, four or five of them. You don't have to have all of them early on, but just work on that, make some projects, start applying yeah. and see who bites. Absolutely. And it's that reverse en- engineering piece, looking at those roles, looking at the yep. skills that's required for those roles and being able to fill those uh, those gaps from there. So, yeah, I'm right there with yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, and yes, Mercurian Labs, I do do one on ones. Uh, my info is in the description or you can um, depending on where you're at in your search. I tell a lot of people. Yeah. My ebook, I, I, that what I just said now is consistent with what I said in my ebook, uh, reverse mm-hmm. engineering. You know, we start from the from the goal, and then we work our way back to figure out how we need to get there. That's that's one of the best things to do. It is a lot of people, you know, telling you, oh, you know, I wrote blog, like my blog post on like six plus, not gonna get you six figures and all that kind of stuff. Like <laughs> people always like that post, but uh, it's because I just, you know, said something that's real about it. Yeah. And we have all the, this is the new tech influencer culture where, you know, some people are tricking other people. Oh, go get all this. Uh, get my course. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. And you'll man. get a job like super fast. Knowing like most of us know, like build your network up and you probably can yeah. get a job quicker than most. Mm-hmm. But you really can't make any guarantees with these things unless you have some type of you know relationship with these companies where you say networking piece. No, I was gonna say, and that networking piece is so important. But I don't even think people talk about what networking looks like when you're inside of the organization. Like that's something that's really important, especially like a lot of times when you go for larger organizations. A lot of times people are like, "Let me network to try to find people outside of my organization who I can talk to or get with." People don't network internally a lot, right? They they're Stay. not <laughs> network. Listen. <laughs> looking for they different don't. projects, looking for different roles, talking to the people that's doing what you want to do inside of your organization. That's such a that's such an untapped well of knowledge. It, network internal to your organization. 
Yeah. Man, that's why one of the first things I tell people when they're when they come to me for consultations or whatever they're doing, maybe they're doing a lower level IT, something like that. I was like, hey, have you mm-hmm. networked with anybody at work? Yeah. I was like, because that's one of the quicker ways to possibly get to your end goal than trying to start over from scratch. Because absolutely good professionals are hard to come by. Yep. It is a shortage because I mean, one, the barrier to entry is too high, but two, mm-hmm. they just don't have a lot of people that know these things. Yep. Um, so and, and every other Every organization has a career page. Go to you, the organization you're working for, career page, cybersecurity or security, and go in there and apply. And a lot of times within organizations, they have internal application career sites that you can apply for where you'll have even greater consideration for those roles. And even right. having one-on-ones with your manager to let them know, hey, I want to get this skill. I want to grow in this area. I see that we have an opening. I want to be able to sign up for training. And boom, training requesting for stuff like that. So right. there's so yep. many different internal um, networking opportunities that a lot of people don't take advantage of. They just want to leave. For, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, man. I'm one of those people that want to leave. <laughs> ah, this guy. This guy. <laughs> but but it, uh, depends. it depends. It, it, it do depends. But no, I was going to uh, touch on the funny thing is we talk about networking. It's probably like last thing and then uh, I'll wrap mm-hmm. it up. Is okay. that... Uh, in my book, I talk about the importance of networking and why, like most jobs, don't even get published. You know, externally, they fill them mm-hmm. within from referrals or whatever. Yeah, that's super important. You know, I, um, what was it last Thursday? I was referred to this high level uh, role from uh, somebody in my network. Uh, we met through online. They've been on a podcast. I was job searching. I was reaching out about Indeed, talking about a position. I hit them up. Then. Um, she was telling me about another role they had opened up that was like a higher level one than that. And she was yeah. like, send me your resume. Send me the resume. Her mm-hmm. director liked it. They sent me the rec before they even posted the job for me to oh, apply wow. last Thursday. Mm-hmm. So I'll keep, you know, Patreon people and everybody else maybe updating on that. But that's that's the whole thing. It's like the, the power of networking. Like, yeah. I have somebody in your network, you get access to high paying roles before anybody else see them. Absolutely. Because people know your character and know what you're about. Mm-hmm. Or even coming to the table with something for them. They might have a need. They might want somebody to write out a script to do something. I, I don't know. Just having like a sit down with somebody within your organization and understand what their concerns are, what their pain pain points are. And then being able to solve that, I think that puts you in very good graces with people where people will almost feel obligated to, to do something for you if you come to the table with something already. So that's yeah, a fact, man. Being just proactive about it. So. Yeah. yeah man but um man, this has been a good live stream y'all i promise y'all these live streams are going to get longer um to where we probably could set up like more questions and answers or i got a lot of stuff in the works um but i appreciate gabe for coming on tonight uh, this has been anytime anytime very insightful video and as y'all can see he can talk so he'll definitely be back or <laughs> yeah. you'll see me on struggle security and we can run it back uh sure. you know Shout out to everybody in the chat. Shout out to everybody that liked the video. If you like it, keep sharing. If you have questions, uh, I have Gabe's YouTube channel on there. Uh, if you want me, do you do you want me to put your LinkedIn in the description too? If you want me to, sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to put Gabe's uh, LinkedIn in the description as well. That way you connect with him on LinkedIn. If you have any questions mm-hmm. about ICS or being a cybersecurity consultant, you know, or you know, you may be a person that's looking for a mentor. If you're yeah. worthy, you never know. He might say, "Come on." 
But, I got to um, start doing what, what you're doing, man, with the one-on-ones and stuff. I just don't got the time right now, but absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yes. Yeah, I will tell you, it is tough to scale it. Uh, I dialed yeah. back and with going back in the office, I kind of had to shift a lot of my hours and stuff like that. But, yeah, you know, it's okay. we're going to get some straightening on it and it's going to be all right. Yeah. But um, I rock with everybody, man. I appreciate everybody for tuning in. You know, mm-hmm. a matter of fact, I'm shooting another episode this week. But until then, cool. let's stay textual.